Well, thank you for your warm welcome. It's uh, great to be back with you here. I was trying to think of the first time that we came to First Colony, and you weren't First Colony in those days. Uh, after uh, nine years in Ireland, we were on our first furlough in 1979, and I think that was the first time that we came. And uh, we appreciate uh, those of you who have followed us all these years in prayer, because uh, we went to Ireland as young missionaries, feeling God had called us uh, to Nigeria, but the um, Biafran Civil War was raging, and so the Literature Crusades team that we were going with had to be canceled. And God clearly redirected us to Ireland, which at that time was virtually a closed country because of the Catholic Church. Irish people were taught it was a mortal sin to even have a Bible in their house. And so uh, we went with the idea we would utilize that country as a missions exposure experience for English-speaking young people, and also to reach into the uh, public schools, which were run by the Catholic Church, with God's Word, because they were teaching religious education, but they weren't teaching the Bible. And just as we found as we went from door to door, uh, people slammed the door in our faces, not wanting to even receive a gospel tract, when I went from convent to monastery, the same kind of thing happened. They slammed the door in my face. But as you prayed, God changed all that. And uh, by 1985, the country was wide open to the gospel. And we had about a 15-year window of opportunity for God's word. Uh, by the year 2000, we had uh, placed uh, many hundreds of thousands of Emmaus courses and other Bible teaching materials, uh, tracts and Bibles and so on. And these courses were the required textbooks in those same Catholic school classrooms. And so we praise God for that. And also people on their doorsteps were open to the gospel. And uh, some of those who came to know Christ are today missionaries uh, in other parts of the world. And uh, those who came on our missions exposure team, God, I think we've had close to 3,000 of them and over 300 of them that we know of are in full-time work today somewhere around the world. And so uh, we just praise God for that opportunity. Uh, it's been uh, very wonderful to see that country open. But unfortunately, it's closing today. Three years ago, they changed the Constitution to allow same-sex marriage. Uh, the next year, they elected a gay prime minister. And uh, last year, they changed the Constitution for full-term abortion. And they're now considering euthanasia on demand. And that will probably be passed as well. And so Ireland has become the most secular humanist country in Western Europe. They don't want to know God. They will not allow missionaries to come. They close that door. You can go as a volunteer for a charity for two years, and that's it. Uh, you can go as a minister of religion. They changed the law two years ago. If a church will guarantee you about $100,000 a year salary plus health insurance, but they haven't granted any visas for any ministers of religion to go since they changed the law. And so today, Ireland is virtually closed to the gospel. At the same time, the nuns and priests in the mid-80s started taking our courses to their mission field. And so uh, today, we have sent uh, Bible teaching materials to Catholic schools in 40 countries. Some of them closed countries, where our missionaries were kicked out in the 1970s because uh, Islam came to power. But in some of those countries, they allowed the Catholic Church to stay there with a school because they liked their education. 
And so the nuns would take our courses into those countries. And uh, we've seen uh, Muslims come to Christ through the Catholic Church taking our Emmaus courses into those countries. And one of the countries they went to was Nigeria. And so uh, that's how we got to Nigeria. Twenty years after we thought we should go, God thought we should go. And so um, we have been there now 25 years. And uh, God has uh, opened the doors as we never imagined. When we were asked uh, to go to Ireland, we said, no, we don't really want to go there. But in one week, God confirmed four times we should go. And when I was asked by Emmaus Bible Correspondence School to go to Nigeria, I said, no, I'm too busy in Ireland. But uh, a year later, I was on the plane going to Nigeria. And now God has opened the door to all of English-speaking Africa for this new uh, system of Emmaus course distribution. We no longer use the mail because the mail doesn't exist in some of these countries. And so we go in and find nationals who will study our courses and then we train them to set up a Bible center in their house and they distribute them as our correctors. When we went to Nigeria, there was one uh, retired missionary lady distributing about 300 courses per year. And in the last 25 years, we now have established 1,000 Bible centers in the 32 of the 36 states including right up where Boko Haram has their headquarters. We have people working underground, and uh, God is opening the doors uh, in those Muslim areas. We have a brother I'll show you in a minute or two here who has, uh, I don't have time to tell you the system, but he and his Emmaus team have developed a system where they reach Muslim young men. And over the last six years, they have seen 11,000 Muslims come to Christ and uh, they now have 47 new assemblies of converted Muslims. And so we just praise God for what he is doing. And that has been in part because people like you pray. And so I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for just a few verses before we look at the pictures because these are very relevant. Now you remember that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in his first letter having to correct many problems. His second letter, he had to defend himself because some of those people didn't want to be corrected. They didn't want to know the truth. And uh, yet, Paul realized that those Corinthians, with all the problems they had in the church, were a part of his ministry, as he writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came unto us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Can you imagine? They were so opposed, they even despaired of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now this is the verse I want you to look at. Verse 11 says... Ye also, helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. And if there's one thing I want you to go away with this morning, is the importance of your prayer life and the importance of you praying for God's work around the world. I haven't had all the experiences of the Apostle Paul. I've been shot at by the robbers. I've been chased through cities with the terrorists chasing me to try and kidnap me. I've been in jail for taking a picture that wasn't illegal. 
and all those kinds of experiences, but nothing like Paul had. But when you're in those kinds of situations, you realize as God steps in and delivers you that somebody was praying. And that is what has been uh, the basis of this ministry from the very beginning. People like you who pray. So when you meet together, and I want to encourage you to meet together to pray. Many of our assemblies today, they say, well, we don't have the prayer meeting anymore because nobody comes. Why don't they come? Prayer is our hotline to heaven. But we would rather watch the Dallas Cowboys. Or we'd rather take our kids to violin lessons. Instead of teaching them prayer is what keeps us going with God. And that's what keeps us going on the mission field. And Paul said to the Ephesians, I read one more verse, if you quickly turn to Ephesians chapter 3. He prays for the Ephesian church, and he prays that they will come to know Christ better. And I'm convinced if we only knew Christ better, who he is, we would love him more, and we would be more committed, and we would want to pray. But notice, after praying for these believers that they would come to know Christ and His love, He says, Now unto Him, in verse 20, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And if you go away today realizing that prayer is God's uh, procedure for us to keep in touch with His Word. I want you to understand how important that is because we worship a God who is beyond our wildest imagination. We tend to put God in a box. Three hours on Sunday morning, that's Christianity for many people. That's all there is to it. And the rest of the week, their workmates and their neighbors and their family don't even know they belong to Christ. That's not why Christ saved us. He came to redeem us, to make us his ambassadors. Because he wants to use us in his plan to reach our world with the gospel. And he says, if you will pray, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, we all like to think we have great minds, we can dream great dreams. But God is beyond that. We went to Ireland never dreaming what God would do. We went to Nigeria, at that time the fifth or sixth poorest country in the world, yet the sixth largest oil producing nation in the world. All the money is in the pockets of the dictators and the politicians. People on the street dying. In our hospital in the bush outside of the state capital city of Jos. Half of the people who come to us are malnourished. They just don't have enough food in the dry season. And uh, we can't hardly imagine that. When we went up there, it was like walking back in time a hundred years. There was no water. There was no medicine. There wasn't food for six months of the year. No sanitation. The average life expectancy in our village is 36. I had a woman come to the clinic two years ago. She had nine children. Seven had died before they were five years of age. And so it's a different world. 
But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. And so, uh, I want to thank those of you who have prayed for us because you have helped to make this possible. And for those who don't know the ministry or haven't prayed, I want to challenge you to pray because uh, this is not a plan of Jim and Jean Gillette. This is not some uh, thing that just happened, but it's God's faithfulness in answering the prayers of his people. And if we're willing to follow his direction, he can do this. And uh, he can do things out of our box, out of our past experience. That's the kind of God we have beyond what we ask or even think. So we can have the lights out. We'll go through these pictures fairly quickly just to give you an update. It's been six years since I was here, and uh, I know many of you have prayed all during that time, and we really appreciate you. But uh, just as Paul went back uh, to those who sent him out, we want to also give you some idea of what's happening. If you can turn the lights down, you will see a better picture because... um, Uh, It's not illegal to take a picture, but I've been arrested many times for taking pictures. The police want a bribe. And so most of these pictures you have to take from your hip or waist just to make sure that uh, you can get one. That's the continent of Africa, and uh, right over there is Nigeria. Now, it's not a very big country, about the size of California, but a fourth of Africa lives there, almost 250 million people. And so land is a very big issue, and that's why there are lots of squabbles and fights. Uh, Ireland Outreach International is responsible for uh, Emmaus Bible Center's ministries in English-speaking Africa, and these are some of the countries that we've been in in the last 18 months or so. Nigeria is our biggest country. Half of Nigeria is under 14 years of age because there are so many children, and uh, It's a very, very interesting country as a result. If you were to come along our road, uh, I uh, got the governor to tar the road. Before that, it was 20 miles on a dirt road. Now it's only about a mile. And you'll come to that sign uh, where you come to the Haven of Hope. Now, this ministry is incorporated in Nigeria like a 501c3. And we actually have one of our board members with us today, our brother Philip Abikwo from Nigeria. I hope you'll meet him. He's the uh, retired headmaster of the CMML mission schools for many years in Nigeria. Uh, There he is, just there in the white. A PhD in economics, a barrister who carries a diplomatic passport for Nigeria, a PhD in ophthalmology. We have two medical doctors and a high court judge. Now, uh, these are all highly trained professionally, but what's important to us is they're highly committed to Jesus Christ. And so they're very involved in this work. Uh, We don't pay them. They don't need us economically. They do this because they love the Lord. Hope Academy School has developed uh, as a result of our seeing people saved who were illiterate. And when we train them to study the Bible, to learn how to read, they start bringing their children. Today we have 600 children, and uh, it has been awarded as the best uh, world-class, highest academic standing school in the whole of West Africa. We didn't apply for that. They just found us. Uh, So here, Dr. Austin on the left and the school principal are receiving that award. And then the American College Testing Program heard about us, and they came and said, we can't find a good school in the capital city of the country. Will you be our testing center? We're in a village. 
We don't know how they found us. Uh, so today, uh, those who want to come to American universities come to uh, Hope Academy schools for testing purposes. The school is, uh, was built for 250 students, and we have over 600 coming. Uh, they start at 7.30 in the morning with very young ones, and then they go home at noon, and uh, then we have the secondary school students coming. So these are just some of the scenes of the children that you would see if you were to come on our campus. We feed these little ones uh, a snack. Uh, they call it tea milk. It's uh, tea and a loaf of bread. And uh, for some of these, that's the only food they would get in a whole day. Uh, the secondary ones get uh, a full lunch, and so they get a starch and a protein and a vegetable. We had a mother come to us uh, last year with tears running down her face saying, My husband was killed by Boko Haram, and uh, my ha- I have five children in your school. If you weren't feeding them, they would be dead because I don't have any money to feed them anything. And so uh, that is a great blessing. We're feeding 800 people every day at the Haven of Hope. Uh, the Nigerians are very athletic, so of course physical education is part of the program too. There's a science garden, the children's playground, and one of the courtyards there on the campus. All of our uh, students have to study Emmaus courses. All of the 60 teachers we hire are born-again believers, and they have to study the first 12 Emmaus courses in the first year. The school is too small, and so uh, earlier this year, The foundations were dug and uh, prepared for another building to seat about 300. And so pray that God will provide uh, someone to go out and supervise that. If there are any contractors here and you can give us two or three months, uh, we can provide the backhoes. You know the backhoes? If you'll come and supervise and make sure they do it right. Uh, That's what we need. Hope Haven Hospital, we started out with a little clinic When I bought this land, we had to buy land to satisfy the law, to register as a charity. We thought we'd buy half an acre. Uh, Somebody suggested we go up here. I said, we don't want to go up there. That's where all the missionaries are in Joss. But after we looked at a number of other places and God shut the door, uh, an Emmaus corrector said, come outside of Joss 20 miles. A little chief has been saved and he wants his whole tribe to hear the gospel. That's how the Haven of Hope started. And he was sick. And I treated him, and he got better. And uh, the next time I went, in 20 minutes, the whole back of the truck was surrounded with people saying, please, sir, help me, please, sir, help me. Long story short, we trained a young um, man who had had to drop out of medical school because he was burned out of his home by Boko Haram three times. And he has graduated, and what a gift. That is our Bible School College Residence Hall, and... um, We hope to restart that. We had to stop because the brother who was coordinating it from Britain couldn't come. Uh, His wife was sick. And uh, then we were tearing down the old clinic to build a new hospital. It's not a very big hospital, but it's very highly specialized. There's Dr. Austin Arthur and his family. Pray for them because uh, this brother has postgraduate work under his belt and uh, very... Uh, highly intelligent, uh, spends about 16 hours a day at the hospital. We've had to set up our own lab because you've heard Nigeria is corrupt. I sent a patient to the largest state hospital for a simple blood analysis. The test came back. I knew something was wrong. I went to the hospital and found they'd taken the patient's blood, they'd taken the patient's money, but they never do the test. They just write a false report. And so we set up our own lab 
And now people come to us because they know our lab results are good. Uh, there's our pharmaceutical technician. She distributes uh, pharmaceuticals there. We are the only one that has medicine virtually because I take it out there. So in the new hospital, we have facilities for uh, three A&E uh, patients. Uh, the treatment room there on your right. Uh, the lab on your left. Another treatment room on your right. And uh, then... Uh, that's the first corridor where all the consulting rooms are and the x-ray room and all those kinds of things. That's the delivery room and uh, operating theater. And we are wired for telemedicine, the only hospital in Nigeria. So if our doctor is in the middle of a, uh, an operation and he comes across something he's not familiar with, he can dial up uh, on the Internet, Mayo Clinic, Baylor, John Hopkins University, where we have contacts, they can point a camera right at the spot where he's operating and tell him what to do, and he can finish the operation. And so that will uh, is a great benefit. So pray for Dr. Austin as uh, he sees many patients. He's assisted by two other doctors there and uh, a cadre of nurses and other staff. There's my little granddaughter up in Montgomery helping me to pack all the supplements and pharmaceuticals to take out there. Uh, right now, I have friends with us who have been packing. I have, we have about 20 suitcases of medicine. Pray that we'll get it through the customs because those customs people love to steal it. And so sometimes they hold us up. Every year we have an, an annual Emmaus Leadership Conference. This is based on all the good aspects of multi-level marketing. And so uh, we have a thousand Bible centers. And if each corrector raises up uh, 20 correctors, he becomes an area coordinator. And then if he raises up 20 area coordinators, he becomes a zonal coordinator. And then we have to uh, support one national coordinator. It's gotten so big, we now support two. But this is a very cost-effective way of doing mission because we have a 1,000 people distributing Emmaus courses and we don't pay them. They do this because they love the Lord and they're highly committed to reaching their own people with the gospel. They do it from their home. We don't give them an office. We don't give them a car. They just go on their bicycle to work. And when they come home at night, they use a candle and they grade Emmaus courses. They've distributed them throughout the day at their office or their factory or their university or wherever they are. Uh, and so we have seminars for these leaders to train them. There's Brother Joe Phillip from up in the Dallas area. And we have Rick Cordell with us today. Uh, on your left there in the blue shirt. And so uh, last year uh, we had about, or earlier this year in April, we had about 250 there from around the country. Uh, we feed them a meal, of course, and that's uh, the only meal some of them get. So pray for this brother up here in the right. Uh, he's the one reaching Muslims. He has a price on his head. He has to vary his way to work from his home every day because they try to kill him. And so uh, you might continue to pray for these leaders. We supply them with literature. Uh, this year we gave away about a million pieces of tracts and uh, Living Waters, Gospel of John, Emmaus courses, Bibles, New Testaments. And they take these home and then train their correctors to go out and train others and to do the work of evangelism. And so uh, they really appreciate that. Now, when you do business in Nigeria, it's a little bit different. That's Walmart. That's uh, Home Depot, actually, or something like that. I went in looking for a stapler for the office, and they came out with one of these little tot staplers. And I said, no, I want an office stapler. That's all we have, sir. 
well, can you not get me another one? Oh, we could try from China in six months. I, I never went back. Uh, pray for the brother on the left. He is, uh, uh, lives in Abuja, five hours away. He travels on Monday and goes home on Friday and works on Saturday to support himself as a plumber and electrician. He supervises our construction. His uh, public bus that he goes back and forth on has been attacked by Boko Haram. It was uh, robbed by the robbers. He lost his phone and his computer. And it was uh, hit head-on by a petrol tanker. These are different buses. And he survived all of them. Now, he feels really called to serve with us. We need about $400 a month to support him. Pray that God will supply the need to support national workers. These guys, we've known them for 20 years. So all the stories you've heard about corrupt Nigerians don't apply to these people. We've seen in their Christianity in action. Uh, the brother on the left there is my security officer. Uh, he's in our assemblies. He was the head who fought Boko Haram in one state. He could tell you all the battles he's had with these terrorists. He's a wanted man. He retired, and the trustees said, well, you're going down to the south. You better have uh, somebody to guard you, because that's where they kidnap all the expatriates. And I said, oh, I don't need to waste God's money. I've been going there for 20 years. I don't need the security guard. But they insisted, and so I brought this brother. And uh, sure enough, as we were preaching, the terrorists blocked the road, and tried to keep us from getting out. He went and commanded a taxi and a policeman to drive it, and they drove around them in the ditch with these guys shooting their guns, and they chased us through the city for an hour. And so uh, this is the kind of situation that Nigeria is becoming. Uh, you've prayed for our water factory. It's an operation, that picture in the middle. We package it up into half-liter bags and take it out to the villages where they have no water in the dry season. We travel a lot. I drove 5,000 miles this year in about three weeks, having graduations every day, sometimes two and three. And uh, they are so appreciative of that. There's Dr. George, our ophthalmologist trustee. He's also our best Emmaus distributor. And uh, so we deliver materials to him, and then he distributes to all of his correctors in that area. Some of you older ones might remember Brother Pedro Dillon. He uh, is a Hispanic brother who has labored in California with Hispanic people. And he has published this track, Food for Thought, in Spanish for many years. He wrote to me several years ago, said, would you like to publish it in English? And so he sends us the funds every quarter to um, uh, publish this. Last year, Nigeria was in the World Cup. And so he sent funds for us to print a half a million of these. And they had the place where you could keep stra track of all the scores of all the countries in the World Cup, and at the same time, two gospel articles. We actually had Muslims coming asking for copies of this. There's Jonathan Aboy, our prison coordinator for Emmaus. And so he takes the courses into the prison. Our Joss prison is where all the condemned prisoners go. They're all waiting to be executed. They'll either be uh, shot or hanged. And they sometimes wait for a long time. And so we have gone in with the Emmaus courses. Many of these prisoners have trusted Christ. Uh, and uh, even the uh, police are being saved, some of the prison wardens. And uh, so some of the Christian police associations that have been established are using Emmaus courses uh, for their Bible studies. Now, if you go to prison in Nigeria, it's not like here. It's real prison. There's no uh, luxury suites. And uh, this, uh, this prison was built for 300 and they have 3,000. 
And that's the only source of water, that well. They lower a rope down with a fashioned inner tube from a car on it and pull it up. That's how they get water. And so we went for medical outreach. We preached to them first. And Dr. Austin explained to them in their own language what we're going to do uh, to have the clinic. They, we had it set up so uh, unusual in Nigeria. We had some nurses doing taking all the vitals. And then we saw them here. And then Kevin had a whole cadre of Nigerians uh, uh, counseling them, and I think we saw about 270 patients that day, and over 30 of them trusted Christ. And so, as we demonstrate the love of God, uh, as we preach the Word of God, people respond to that. I've never had the experience of baptizing anybody in prison, but when I went to Liberia in March of this year, we baptized 62 prisoners who had been saved from studying Emmaus courses in prison. And they brought the water. You can see it's pretty mucky from the river. And uh, there they were, all lined up to be baptized. Looking from the outside, it's not a very nice place. We've been asked by the Minister of Justice for the country of Liberia to take Emmaus into all 18 prisons in that country. This is a big challenge. It will take a lot of resources. It will take manpower. So pray that God will provide to open that door. And then we travel around the country for Emmaus graduations at various churches and assemblies where they have used the courses to uh, study and learn about the Word of God. Here's a church that I helped to establish in Lagos uh, 25 years ago. My first student was a converted rock star. He has more gold and platinum albums from Hollywood than any other in Africa. We met in his garage with 30 people. Today they have a church that seats 2,000. They have one service in English, they have another service in Yoruba, and it's packed. We graduated 400 people there this year uh, from studying Emmaus courses. And then we travel around the country to these other places. Here's a women's conference. Now, you ladies, I know the women used to have conferences here. I don't know if they still do that, but they do it in Nigeria. They uh, travel in a cattle truck. That's a cattle truck. And you can see all the women standing up. 2,000 of them came to the mission station. They asked me to speak. Now, I know they like long services. It was 113 on the thermometer, about 80% humidity, and I spoke for two and a half hours, and my clothes were dripping like I'd come out of the shower, and I was thoroughly tired, and I sat down, closed the message, and a dear sister reached over my shoulder, and she said, Brother, why did you stop so soon? We don't like short sermons here. I said to the missionary, how long should I have gone? He said, well, you could have gone at least three hours. Remember, they've traveled two days in a truck to get here. So hungry for the word of God. They sleep on the ground with a snake slithering by with their babies on their back beside them. Johnny Erickson Tata. We have known Ken and Johnny for many years. A number of years ago, we were at a mutual friend's birthday party with them. And uh, Johnny said, what about wheelchairs for Nigeria? And so we began praying about that, and uh, today they have shipped uh, three containers. They're preparing another one right now. Uh, to be handicapped in Nigeria is a curse on the family. That's how they come, to get a wheelchair. They walk five miles. Uh, this lady is fortunate because somebody has bought her a pair of thongs so she doesn't cut her hands on the rock road as she walks to get there. And so uh, we preach to them. We give them a Bible with their name in it so their relatives won't sell the Bible. And uh, we've had Muslims come to Christ because they've been shown the love of God through a wheelchair. And uh, as we preach the word of God, they respond. And so pray 
as we distribute these wheelchairs. We have water projects, as you know. We've dug in cooperation with Brother Tom Wheeler about 80 water wells in various parts of Nigeria. In uh, Ghana, we also have a project. Here, 13,000 people are dying with bilharzia. That's the water they drink. That's the water they bathe in. That's the water they wash their clothes in. It only takes 30 seconds for the little parasite to burrow in their skin. That bucket of water was spilled over my head and uh, took about two years of chemotherapy-like treatment to get rid of it. How do you treat 13,000 people at maybe $10,000 a head to get over it? And so we put a water project there with a reverse osmosis plant, and today they can have clean water. Many of our wells are just hand pumps like this, and God works in a mighty way. This village had no Christianity whatsoever. We put a water well in. People began to get saved. They built this assembly building themselves to seat about 100. The well has been going about four years, and the building's too small. They're now building another one at their own cost. And so... We praise God for enabling us to minister through these practical ways and then see people come to Christ. And so as we have these leadership conferences, pray. As we go to prison, pray. Uh, As we uh, preach to them and teach them, there's Joe Phillip and Tony Thomas from one of the assemblies up in the Dallas area. They've been out as speakers the last two years and they're praying about coming next Easter time. They're here in Dallas in some of the assemblies right now speaking. Pray for our water project. It's not without challenges. You see, when Satan sees God at work, he takes notice. Our water delivery truck was hit by one of these little tricycle KKs from India. Uh, They used them as taxis out there. Now, it was clearly the taxi driver's fault. But the passenger in their back fell out and was killed. And, of course, they blamed our truck driver, put him in jail. And it wasn't his fault. And so this is the kind of uh, opposition we receive as we try to minister to people. We help build assemblies. Uh, This one started about six years ago. We put a roof on it, put the chairs in for them. They put the block walls up. Uh, It was built for 100. When I spoke there last year, it has 200. And they're hanging through the windows and doors. They can't all get in. The number of assemblies have grown from 1994 when I went from 250 to over 700. And when I asked the brethren, uh, what do you attribute to this? Uh, They say, well, part of it is the fact that you brought good Bible teaching with Emmaus courses. Pray for our school. Uh, We need a new auditorium. Dr. Austin called me a few months ago. He said, get the people to pray for a new auditorium. Ours only seats 400. They had a PTA meeting of a thousand parents and it started lashing tropical rain in the rainy season. Of course, that cut off the meeting. Uh, pray for those who stand tall for Christ. This lady is a high court judge. Because she will not take a bribe in her court to free the prisoners, she has a death threat on her life every day. As do these men, because they stand tall for Jesus. To give you an idea, this brother was raised in our assemblies. His father was a good friend of Philip. And uh, he rose up through the ranks as a barrister. He was the only Christian in the current Muslim government. He was investigating all the corruption And they assassinated him and his wife and his son the same day. I had been invited to go preach at an assembly with them on that very day, but I had another appointment. And they were all three eliminated that day. What a loss to us. Uh, A moving experience to go to that funeral. But God still put it all on television. So the whole nation, including Islam, heard the gospel 
at that funeral. Now, because of the problems in Ireland, and we can't get people to come as missionaries, Ireland Outreach board members took a decision a few years ago that we needed to downsize in Ireland. We haven't left Ireland. You know, I still live there. Uh, we will transition over here. Some of you have seen the building that God provided for us to move our international headquarters here to Houston, Texas, on Hollister Street. Go on our website. You can see it. Uh, we need volunteers to come and help uh, have Mark Hamilton help finish the construction. And uh, we need people to come and man it, volunteers who might come one or two days a week to help pack containers for Africa or to help in the office. We need a full-time bookkeeper, an office administrator, a secretary, a manager for uh, packing these containers, a maintenance man. Whatever skill you have, God can use if you have a willing heart. But you see, the problem is, in so many cases, in America today, as I travel back, Gene tells me I'm going to have reverse uh, culture shock in reverse. You aren't the same. There's not the same level of commitment to Jesus Christ. And in many cases, our Christianity is in this little box of three hours on Sunday morning. That's not why God saved you. We need to pray for revival in our assemblies across America. We hope to have a training center at the building in Hollister Street. There it is. And uh, we hope to have a mini Hope Center there where we'll rent out the lower floor to other ministries. So this will be a hub for international evangelism. Johnny and friends have already signed a contract with us to receive used wheelchairs. They take them to prisons where they've trained prisoners to refurbish them. They come out looking brand new. And uh, an, an Indian brother has uh, approached us. He has an orphanage in India. We have room for about six or seven ministries there. So if you know of a ministry looking for an office anywhere from 150 square feet to 3,000, uh, send them to talk to us. That's the warehouse uh, of the previous owner. We hope to create a conference center there where we can seat three to 400, feed three to 400, and have training sessions and training our American Christians in one-on-one -on -one personal evangelism with Eventel, a little tract, may I ask you a question? I won't ask the embarrassing question. How many people have you led to Christ since you've been a Christian? If you fit the mold, the statistic from research, 92% of you have never led anybody to Christ. That's not why God saved you to just have an insurance policy against hell. He wants you to be his ambassador. There's a previous owner showing us around the building. That's what it used to look like. Now all the drywall is up. And we need volunteers to come and help finish the construction. Maybe a painter or a carpenter or whatever. This is a big project. Bigger than, you know, a sister in one of the assemblies took me there and she said, I think you should look at this. We'd been looking for land. She said, I think you're a man of vision with your ministry, and I'm a woman of vision. I want you to look at this building. When I saw that, she said, don't tell me I'm crazy when you see it. Well, when I saw it, I thought she was crazy. It's far bigger than we need. But God has bigger plans than what we think. We were reminded this morning, his thoughts are not our thoughts. They're much higher. And so pray that God will enable us to use this center to reach out to the world. Jesus said to the disciples, go. When I was sitting at a missionary conference in Wheaton College in 1966, 
the late Paul Little, the head of InterVarsity, after he was introduced, stood up and said, if you haven't been called to stay in America, you're living in sin. And all of the 1,200 students sort of shuddered because he said, you've already been commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Why are you here? Seven billion people on our planet and billions have not heard the name of Jesus. They're crying out for reality. And Islam is the fastest growing religion in America today. Why is that? You see, we as the church have failed to live out our Christianity so people can see reality. They're laughing at us. Their Muslims are laughing at us because we're so divided and we're so ineffective. They have a fake demonic philosophy, I call it, and yet they're the fastest growing church in America. And yet some are open. I gave a gospel to these two young people. I turned around and looked and there they were reading it. I went back and took their picture. But you see, we've taught our young people in America the sky is what we ought to reach for. Not heaven. You've got to have your two feet on the earth. Get your third PhD. Don't get me wrong, I have nothing against education. I was educated. Make a six-figure salary. When you die, you'll have a better funeral. And you won't have laid up any treasure in heaven. Yeah, you've reached the sky. But you'll have nothing to take to the Savior. And the coming of the Lord, we believe, is very near. I want to encourage you to go. My parents retired at 55 and came to Ireland. When they died, my mother died at 89. She was serving the Lord at 85 yet after my father died. And they both said to me, the best part of our lives was when we were serving Christ in our retirement years. Many of you are retired and you could come and help us. You could come to Nigeria for a week or two. We will we'll not take you down where they try to kidnap you. Um, uh, we'll take you where there's no snakes. Here, this lady, nearly 80. She's been with us from an assembly in Florida three times as a nurse. And so there's an opportunity for you to come and serve with these dedicated Christians who love the Lord and are so appreciative of those who come and help them. It's a mountaintop experience. It'll impact your life. You'll never be the same again. Trust God. I overheard my wife talking, some sister in an assembly. They didn't know I was listening. And she said, doesn't it get you worried with Jim going to Nigeria? With all that violence and terrorism? My wife is my best prayer partner. She said, well, it certainly has improved my prayer life. But she said, you know, I've had to come to realize if the Lord's going to take Jim, he'll take him just as easily in America or Ireland as he will in Nigeria. So you don't have to be afraid. Why should somebody threaten you with heaven? Isn't that where you want to go? No, you don't want to go there. You're like me. I take vitamins all the time. We want to stay alive. Would you trust God with us? The county of Harris is imposing conditions on us beyond reality. And we're told there's an atheist in there who doesn't like us. And they've imposed regulations that will cost us $1.5 million above budget. By the time we finish it all, it'll cost us $3 million more than we imagined. But God has given us a $1.5 million matching grant. And so every dollar given to finish that building will be doubled. And then we can fully utilize it. So pray 
Trust God for the impossible. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's what he's done. And he's done that because he's faithful to hear and answer prayer. So thank you for praying. And please continue. If you don't get our prayer letter, take the packet of information I was giving you. There's a little coupon inside. Fill that out with your name and address and give it to me before you go home today. There's no obligation. We won't ask you to pledge any money. We just want you to pledge your one minute a day to pray. Because that's what makes this happen. There is a new prayer card in there to put on your fridge. And uh, that's the latest edition of Outlook. So thank you for having us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing through the ministry of Island Outreach International. God bless you.